you, Lord. I just feel like the Lord really wants to deliver something to us today. Just, boom, I feel like the Lord just wants to, I don't know, back up the dump truck and just unload to you. <laughs> and, uh, and whenever the Lord has something that, that he could just really uh, impact us with, we need to be open. Amen? The Lord has a word for you. So let's open our hearts to the Lord right now. Just ask the Lord to speak to you. Just open your heart. This wouldn't just be another uh, Sunday that you just kind of skip on by, another message that you hear and file away in the, in the drawer. But the Lord has a word for you. It can change your life. So, Lord, we ask, open our hearts right now. Lord, give us a hunger for your word. Lord, I just ask that you would just stir up a hunger in us for what we're going to talk about today. And we ask that you would pour out this truth, that you would really impact us with the reality of who you are, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. All right, so Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this in verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. For they will see God. Can we throw, you guys have that up there? I want to talk to you this morning about the pleasures of, of God. We've been in a series called Winning the Battle for Purity. And we have been talking about how it's, this isn't just about not losing. Right? We've talked about that. It's not just like we want to keep the, the other team from scoring. No, we've been talking about how to score, how to win. And we've talked about defensive strategies last week where we need to guard our eyes and ears. And we need to do things, serious things, to keep the enemy from scoring and from, from us losing. And a lot of that has to do with breaking off behaviors in our lives that are just causing us to get sucked into uh, uh, impurity and things like that. We've also talked about an offensive strategy. Where, and, and, and even though we've got to stop the behaviors and do the defensive strategies, we've said that really the, the main effort that we need to put in is the offensive strategy of considering ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. That is who we are in Christ, and it's believing who we are in Christ that is the offensive strategy that's going to cause us to move the ball, right? The metaphor, move the ball down the field, yard by yard, first down by first down, into the end zone. And so we've got to work the defensive strategies. We've got to work the offensive strategies. And, um, and, and, and we've also talked about the fact we've got to do this together. We've got to get into the light. We've got to uh, help each other out. But today I want to talk to you about the pleasures of God. In fact, this week and next week, I want to talk to you about the end zone, right, about, about scoring. I want to give you a vision for the blessings of purity. See, too often we're focused on the problem that it causes, you know, too much focused on that it brings death. And let me tell you, it does bring death. Sexual sin is very destructive, and we've talked about that. And see, it, no matter what is going on, it, no matter what the sexual sin is, in fact, no matter what the sin is at all in, in, that's going on in our lives, there's always a lie that we believe, right? There's always a lie that this thing is going to bring life to me. This thing is going to satisfy me. This thing's going to heal me. This thing's going to bring the joy or the pleasure that I need. That's ultimately what we're after. I want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I want to, I want to enjoy life. Or, or there's so much turmoil in our life, we just want to medicate, right? Whether it be outward circumstances or some inward stuff, we just want to medicate, you know? I'm just going to go and, 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 and check out, eat this food. Or I'm going to go and check out and, um, 
and, you know, and, and go to the bar. I'm going to check out and just look at this, this impure stuff on the Internet. Whatever it is, we are looking for pleasure in this thing. And it's holding out a lie that this thing will bring life. It's holding out this offer. And, of course, you know, basically the message of the gospel is, no, that's lying. <laughs> and the message of the gospel, the, the whole point of the Bible is, no, that's not what's going to bring life to you. That's not what's going to bring pleasure. That's not what's going to bring joy. And so we are all, often saying, no, 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 it's death, right? It's like, it's like drinking a big old cold glass of ice-cold poison. That's what it is. Mmm, smooth going down and death going in, you know? <laughs> That's ultimately what, that, what sin is, is doing. Hey, come on, man, it's going to be good. You want some of this? And, and yeah, the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a time because that's its deception. It's like a really hungry animal. Mmm, meat. Go get the meat. Bam, caught in the trap, right? That's what you do. You get the trap. You want to catch an animal? You get a big old trap that's going to, you know put its leg in a vice, and you put something really yummy in there. Well, we all want the yummy. Mmm, I'm hungry. I, need, I have some needs that need to be met here, right? So the pleasure, it holds out the pleasure. The question is, yeah, well, you didn't see the death attached to that pleasure. <laughs> you, didn't th- you didn't realize that that cold glass of ice liquid was poison. It's going to bring death to you. But here's the thing. I don't want to talk to us so much about that death. I want to talk to us about life. I want to talk to us about the end zone, about scoring, about winning. I want to give you a vision because the Bible says without vision, people perish. And so often the only reason we're going into those things is because we bought into the lie. We think that that thing is going to bring us pleasure, and it's not. But let me tell you, God created you for pleasure. He wants to satisfy the deepest needs in your heart. See, the gospel, the Bible, does not say, no, accept Jesus and be bored and be miserable. No. No. Wisdom stands over here and she says, come, i got all this good stuff for you. And folly stands over here and says, come, I've got all this good stuff for you. They both say the same thing. One's lying, right? And we have the truth. And too often, I think, in Christianity, we haven't focused on the end zone, if you will. We haven't helped people to see, and here's what it is, what you're missing out on. See, I can talk to you about what your sin is doing to you, how it will destroy you emotionally. It will bring death to your relationships. I can talk to you about that, and let me tell you, that's important. You are bringing destruction to your life by engaging in these things. But it's worse than that. Because when you're in the death, what are you missing out on? life. When you're engaging in empty, false pleasures, what are you missing out on? The true ones. See, that's what many of you don't realize. You're missing out. So next week, I want to talk to you about the end zone in marriage. I want to talk to you about God's plan for marriage, lifelong, joyful, pleasure-filled marriage. It's going to get a little PG-13, so I thought I'd warn you this week. Don't worry, you guys all want to be here, right? It's going to be good stuff. Why? Because the only reason people don't wait is because they don't know what they're missing. 
You hear me? See, as long as you're in this impure relationship, you don't get to have the pure one. Right? If you sell out over here, you didn't buy in over here. And I want to convince you to buy in. I want to give you a vision. And I'm not just talking about those of you who are single or, or haven't messed up. No. Because of the redemption of Jesus Christ, His grace is always sufficient. You could be married 20 years, and I'm going to tell you, it's good. Let me tell you what God has for your marriage. So for you singles, for you married, next week. But this week, I want to talk to you about the even greater reward, the greater end zone, the greater vision, the thing that really even marriage is pointing us to, and that is the pleasures of God. And I'm going to tell you right now that the pleasures of God, it is the greatest defensive strategy It is the greatest offensive strategy, and it is the reward of purity. It's like the whole deal right here. I'm going to tell you something today that is so core to my life. Like everything I'm going to say is just me, okay? It's from the Bible. But like I own this. I live this. This is my life. So if you're like, Dave, tell me a story. I'm going to tell you the whole whole time. I'm going to tell you a story. And I'm just talking to you right now. If you want purity, if you want freedom, this is essential. If you didn't hear the rest of the messages, you need those too. But this is absolutely important. Because blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This is what you're missing out on if you're not walking in purity. There is no greater blessing, there is no greater pleasure than beholding, than seeing who God is. And Jesus promises right here, blessed, satisfied, filled with joy, happiness, pleasure, are those who are pure in heart. That's a heart issue, isn't it? Not just behaviors. Not just your eyes, it's your heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. See, as long as you're in the impurity, you're missing out on the great vision of seeing, beholding God and experiencing His pleasures, which will satisfy you deeper than any other thing in all of creation. Let's say that all together. One, two, three. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Say it again. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I'm going to jump through a bunch of scriptures. You can either follow with me on the screen or try to find it in your Bible. But I want to show you something that is absolutely a biblical truth and a biblical uh, practice. Psalm 27. Back to the middle of the Bible. Psalm 27, verse 4. They'll throw it up here on the screen. Psalm 27, 4. Listen to what David says. One thing I ask of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon His beauty, or the beauty of the Lord, and to seek Him in His temple. David is saying, this is the one desire of my heart. This is everything to me. This is what I crave. This is what I long for. This is my ambition. This is my passion. This is my practice. This is what I do every day. This is all that I am. This is all that I want. This is all that I need. This is my prayer. This is the thing that he's asking God for. God, I just want this. He's yearning for it. What does he want? I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to live with God. I want to shack up with God. I want to be with God. Wherever he is, I want to be there. I want to live with him. I never want to leave. All the time, I just want to hang out. I want to talk. I want to be in his presence. It's this longing and this craving for the presence of God. He literally wants to move in, right? We're not talking about bringing a little suitcase. 
We're talking moving in with God. Where you live, I want to live, God. I just want to be right where you're at. Then he says, I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. This is not like a little look. It's not like a little glance. This is the gaze of lovers. This is a romantic word. I'm not even trying to say anything weird about God and our relation with him. So don't even go there. This is a romantic, passionate word. Because this word says, this is the gaze of lovers. This is the stare. This is what two lovers do. They just stare into each other's eyes. They just examine each other. They, they look, not even just physically, right? But you, 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 you hang out, you're falling in love, and you ask each other questions, and you listen, you're attentive, and you're discovering one another. This is the exploration. This is that deep pursuit after one another. And David's saying, I want to gaze. I want to stare lovingly at God. I want to behold Him. I just want to look at Him all the time. I want to discover. I want to seek God. I want to know Him. I want to hear His voice. I just, this is everything to me. I want God. That's what he's saying. That's what David is saying. This is why he's a man after God's own heart. I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I want to behold that which is beautiful, pleasant, delightful, joy-filled, pleasure-filled of God. I want to see everything about God. Because it's so beautiful. It's so pleasant and delightful. That's what he's saying. I want to see that about my God. This is the craving of David's heart. This is, this is, uh, we're going to see that this is actually commanded in Scripture for us to do this. It's, it's, like I said, it's probably the most important strategy. It's the most important strategy that we could apply in our, in our lives. And it's modeled throughout Scripture, obviously here in David's life. That he's a man that would gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And what happened was that this captured his heart. It shaped who he was. Here's the principle that I want to give you. Listen, whatever you gaze on has your affection. Whatever you dwell upon, think upon, imagine fantasize about, look at, stare at, meditate on. Whatever you do that with, that thing has your affection. That person has your affection. It's that same principle in Romans 6 when Paul said, whatever you obey, that's your master. Right? It's the same principle that Jesus said, where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's talking about your affections, about your allegiance. And, and this principle is so clear in the scriptures. Whatever you dwell on has your affections. And so here's what happens with pornography, with fantasizing about uh, immoral things, with, with uh, 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 you, know, the, the, like, you know, those novels and stuff, you know, where, where, where it's, a, it's more of a, boy, I don't even know because I'm not, not a lady. Uh, <laughs> where it's an adultery of the mind. There you go. That's all I can think of to describe it. Right? Where, whether it be books, whether it be pictures, whether it be fantasizing in your mind, whether it be a physical act, you know, masturbation or something like that. What's going on when you're, when you're dealing with that? Is you're, you are dwelling, you are gazing on that thing, and it is getting your affections. Now listen to me. It's pleasure without intimacy. It's fake. 
It's false. It's empty. Okay? See, it's holding out to you this promise, but it's really death. It's emptiness. You're looking at this pornography so that you, you'll, you'll feel pleasure. You're looking at this pornography because you want to feel like a man. Or you want to you feel loved. You want to feel wanted. It's empty. It's a scream. Right? You're imagining these things in your mind. Dwelling on it. Thinking about it. Thinking about it. Thinking about it. It's emptiness. It's not reality. You're making it up. That thing doesn't love you. Okay? So it's empty. It's fake. It's death. And that is why these, this sexual sin, it numbs you emotionally. It takes you out of intimacy with other people and with your spouse. It robs your affections. It robs your allegiance to God and your affections towards God. And it robs your, your commitment to your spouse. And see, that is why as, 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 as people will fantasize upon these things, that it will deaden them to the realities of who God is. And it will deaden them to true pleasures of intimacy with others, specifically your spouse or God. That is why it is so, it's one of the reasons why it's so destructive. It's just, it's a fake thing. But what you're doing is you're, you're meditating on that thing. And so it's shaping, right? Your emotions follow your thoughts. So if you're thinking on a certain thing, whatever that thing you're thinking on will condition your emotions. So if you're thinking upon something that is death-filled or false or fake or empty, then that's how it's going to affect your emotions. That's exactly what happens to your emotions. <clears throat> for example, like, let's, let's say anxiety, for example. If you are always thinking about what's going to happen, this bad thing's going to happen, oh no, oh no, oh no. If you're always just juggling thoughts in your mind, what is the emotion that follows? Anxiety, Right? You're, you're thinking, the problem is not the emotion so much as, the, as what you're thinking about, okay? It's the same thing with these issues of, of, uh, of sexual pleasures and stuff like that. It's what you're thinking about that is drawing your emotions, your affections in this way. Your emotions are simply like the caboose of the train. It's just going to follow wherever your thoughts are going. <clears throat> Even the fact that our culture floods us with so much media and so many images, not to say that they're all necessarily impure or wrong, but it actually shapes the way we think. Remember, your brain is simply a processor of input. It doesn't know what right and wrong is. And so just simply flooding your mind with like uh, uh, media and TV and movies all the time, and I'm talking about generally the extreme that's with children in in our culture or just generally, you know, video games and all this stuff. It's so much, generally, I think, we, I think our culture has gone too far. It's so much that you're, 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 the way that you perceive reality is hindered. Like we literally, we live in this urban, fast-paced culture where, we, where, we, where we're separated from one another. And so we're trying to have these cyber relationships. We're trying to engage in things to find pleasure. And video games and this, 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 this. When the true pleasure is always found in relationships. Always. Always found in intimacy in relationship. Number one with God. And then, of course, with others. And so all of this uh, uh, media, just even in general, warps the way we view reality. It's flooding our minds with fantasy rather than reality. And so David is talking about gazing upon the most real 
See, what happens when you set your gaze, you, what, what happens when you dwell, meditate, stare at, focus on, think about, imagine the most real person? God is the uncreated God, eternal God, self-sufficient, self-contained. I mean, He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anyone. He is in Himself totally satisfied. God is love. He's completely filled with pleasure and joy. There is such this horrible concept of God, that God's some bored, old, angry, mean God. That is so not what He is. He is like filled with... He's having a good time all the time. For all eternity, He's just enjoying Himself. He is literally self-sufficient, needs absolutely nothing. And the only reason He created you and I is that we would have a relationship with Him. You were not just created to worship God. You were created to enjoy God and one another. He created you because He so passionately wanted to share His pleasure with you. And so all of creation, in fact, the whole reason Jesus died was to invite you and bring you into a relationship where you would enjoy one another, where you would experience the eternal pleasures of God himself, the creator of the universe, who has everything that he needs and has a lot more to spare, infinite, transcendent, eternal God. So what happens when you think upon the greatest thought What happens when you focus in on the greatest reality? What happens when you look at the one who created you and everything? What happens when you look at the one who is filled with pleasure, filled with life, filled with joy, has everything that you need, loves you, he's good, he's joyful, he's righteous, he's true? What happens? Let me tell you, it's going to affect your emotions. It will affect your emotions because whatever you gaze on, that's what has your affection. Psalm 16. Turn to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. We'll start in verse 7. David says this, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So David in verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. He's talking about gazing on the Lord. I've set the Lord always before me. He's saying every day, all the time, I, I just behold God right there in front of me. I set God in front of me. He makes a decision to do that thing called setting the Lord before him. And what happens? Right? I set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. The first revelation is that God is for me. When you will set the Lord before you, and I'm not talking about thinking uh, 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 lies about God. So many of us have these lies in our mind about who God is. But the moment you begin to see Him for who He really is, 
The first thing is an overwhelming sense of confidence that I am dead to sin alive to God. I'm the righteousness of God. If He gave His Son for me, how much more will He give me everything? God is for me and not against me. He's at my right hand. And David says, I will not be shaken. You know, he's saying this while he's being chased by Saul. His life is being threatened, and yet he's able to stand there and say, I'm not even shaken. I'm not moved. Why? Because his emotions are rooted in an eternal reality that is bigger than his circumstances. His emotions are rooted and grounded in the love of God. And he's saying, my God is on my side. I'm not being shaken. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not moved. I will not be moved. I will not be shaken. My emo- There's no, no fear here, no anxiety here, no insecurity. No, I am not shaken. Why? Because he set the Lord always before him. What happens in verse 7? It says that the Lord, or I receive counsel. This is where we get wisdom from God, by going up into his presence and beholding the Lord. And then he releases wisdom into our hearts. What else does he say? My heart is glad. Oh, yeah, I just, I'm just happy. Hmm, it's real good. It's real good inside. It's real joy. I'm glad. My tongue rejoices. I mean, it just bubbles over. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Whoa, just running over like a river out of his mouth. Praise the Lord. I'm just a happy guy. I'm loving Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I can't even help it. I got to praise him. That's what he's saying. I got to praise him. My body will rest secure. Peace, literally in his physical body, in his flesh. His body, just at peace, at rest, able to sleep. There's a storm raging outside of his life, on the outside, and inside. He's like, I'm going to go take a nap, guys. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. When you experience the pleasures of God, He will satisfy your physical body. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, Every which way. And guess what happens when we get addicted to stuff? It affects every one of those things. And so guess what will break every one of those things? The pleasures of God. See, so often when we're talking about purity, it's like talking to a starving man and saying, don't eat. Just don't eat. Yeah, but I'm single and i got to wait like 10 years. I don't, even, I don't even have a girlfriend. Sorry, dude. Just going to have to be hungry. <laughs> I know, but like, the, I mean, like physically you can only go, you know, like 30 days, 40 days without food and then you're going to die, you know? I mean, your body can only take so much, yeah? But that, oh, sorry, dude. Got to wait. Sorry. You know what I'm saying? That's what, we're, it's like, that's what we're trying to do to people. You, you just got to starve. Sorry. But when you go to heaven, you can be happy. That doesn't sound like good news to me. Thank you, Jesus, that we get it now. The scriptures tell us you don't have to starve. You've just been feeding on the wrong stuff. You've been eating the wrong stuff, so you're missing out on the good food because you're eating the death. You're missing out. Stop eating on the impurities. Stop going to your drugs. Get out of that impure relationship and start seeking the Lord. Start trusting Him with your finances instead of the credit card, and you will experience 
this kind of thing. This is what happens when the presence of God comes. How do you encounter the presence of God? When you lock on your mind and your affections onto the reality of who He is. Joy, peace, security, confidence. And what did the last verse say? Fullness of joy in your presence and eternal pleasures at your right hand. You're like, I know some of you are thinking, the pleasures of God, is he going to preach heresy today? It's right there in the Word of God. I'm not just saying it's a promise. I'm talking to those of you who want to be pure. You need it. Don't leave home without it. You can't fight without this. You need the pleasures of God. Because why? You have a need that needs to be met. God has never asked you not to have that need met. Sin is simply trying to have a genuine need met in a wrong way that brings destruction. You're not looking to Him. You're looking to something else. The Lord wants to be your provider. The Lord wants to satisfy you. The Lord wants to strengthen you. That's what the message of the Word of God is. Just come to me. That's what God, All the time, Dad, just going, come to me. Come to me. Oh, why do they keep going to idols? Oh, why do they keep going to other gods? Why? Why do they reject me? I mean, his heart is broken, and he's just reaching out, saying, come to me. What did Jesus say? Come to me, all you who are thirsty. Why? Because you've been drinking poison. You've been drinking salt water. You've been drinking that which does not satisfy you. It's like drinking, uh, eating, uh, eating saltine crackers all day, and then it's like, hey, guys, you want to go for some steak? And it's like, oh, I'm not hungry anymore, you know? And Jesus says, come to me. Drink the living water, right? The water of life, and you'll never thirst again. John 4, you'll never thirst again. He satisfy you. This is what we need. <clears throat> Think of your soul, like your mind, your will, your emotions. Think of your soul as a furnace, like an oven. And we've said, I've even shared some of this before. The Word of God is the wood. Man, we need the Word. We talked about last week. You've got to get it into your eyes and ears and flood your heart with the Word. We need to hear the Word of God. We absolutely need more Word. And then imagine that, that, that the wood, though, it's not doing anything for the oven, right? There's no cake being baked yet. You need the fire of the Spirit, right? We saw this next two a couple months ago. The Holy Spirit just falls. You need the presence of the Lord. Where see, so you have the truth of God, but then you encounter His presence. And what happens when wood and fire come together? It's, you know, the chemical combustion. And what does it release? Heat. And that heat, that's the affections. It's the affections of the soul. See, when you have truly come into the presence of God and you are worshiping Him in what did Jesus say in John 4? Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. When you worship the Lord in spirit and truth, what happens in genuine worship when you're encountering the Lord's presence? Well, it's not about me. You know, it's all about God. Yeah, well, too bad, because he's all about you. Yeah, you should be all about him. That is genuine worship. When you worship him for who he is, and you behold his glory, and ascribe to him the glory that's due his name. The only thing is, is he didn't create you because he needs you. And worship, 
really is about giving him glory because that's what you most need. <laughs> I know there's a couple different ways to look at it. but So what happens is when you actually worship God and attune yourself, when you align yourself with the reality of God, that reality conditions your thoughts and your emotions. And the reality of heaven and the reality of who God is breaks into who you are. And like I said, wood and fire, it releases heat. And the affections, oh, it's so good. And the pleasures of God, oh, so good. And it doesn't just satisfy your mind. You need that, let me tell you. You need to think about God. And let your intellectual mind be satisfied by thinking about God. Not by empty academic uh, 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 questioning, you know. Can, can God lift a rock that he cannot, or make a, God, make a rock that he cannot lift? It's like, okay, that's not going to cause affection. That's silliness, right? No, I'm talking about the wonder and the awe of marveling at the infinite God who made math and science and stars and planets and all that stuff. Yeah, your mind needs to be satisfied. And your emotions need to be satisfied. And your physical body needs to be satisfied. <clears throat> What does um, Romans 15 say? The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, right? kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithful, faithfulness, self-control. Joy and peace seems to come up a lot. When the Holy Spirit comes, what does he release? Emotional health, wholeness into our lives. Paul actually commands us in Colossians 3. If you want to turn there, they'll throw up the scripture on the screen. Colossians 3. Paul actually tells us that this is the strategy for freedom. The same Paul who wrote Romans 6 and gave us our offensive strategy, the same Paul tells us that we've got to do this. Colossians chapter 3 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So we learned this a couple weeks ago. You are dead to sin and alive to God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you need to consider yourself that way. You are not a sinner anymore. You are not bound to that sin. You are a new creation. That reality is, is what Paul's talking about here. Hey, since you've, you've, you've been raised, you don't live anymore. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You're literally seated in the heavenly realms. So your reality is no longer just temporal, no longer what you're struggling with down here. I love it because the next verse, in Colossians 3, he says, Now put to, put to death your members which are on the earth. I think that's hilarious. right? You're seated with Christ. Your life's hidden with Christ in God. And so put to death those members that are still on the earth. He's saying... That there's a reality, a spiritual reality, that you are in Christ, seated in the heavenly realms. That that is, the kingdom of God is now your reality. And we're supposed to live according to that reality. And allow that reality, that kingdom to shape the way we think, the way we live, the way we act, the way we feel. And so he says, so, yeah, so put to death those members that are still on the earth. <laughs> Aren't I still on the earth? I mean, it's just really funny the way he says it, I think. Why? Because he is totally absorbed in a, in, a, in a different reality than us, right? He's walking by faith. And so often we are totally focused on our failures and our circumstances and all this stuff. And Paul's saying, no, set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. Isn't that what we've just been talking about? 
totally pointing our being upward towards God and saying, Lord, all my mind, all my thoughts, all my desires, all my affections, I point them on you. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do very practically is to use your God-given imagination to behold the glory of God as he has revealed himself in Scripture. All over the Scripture, you have a revelation of who God is. He has revealed himself. He's not, he's not hiding from us because he doesn't want us to find him. You know, it's only glimpses of his glory here and there, but it's all over the Scripture. Sometimes it's just statements of his attributes, like in Exodus 34. He's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love and faithfulness. I just meditate and I dwell on that reality with words. I speak it. I meditate. I think about it. But also there are pictures in the Bible. And many of us are visual. Many of us have been trapped by words that have, are describing things that aren't right. Many of us have been captured by pictures. And those pictures, those fantasies, those false realities have shaped our affections. And the Lord literally wants you to take your imagination, your God-given imagination, which you have been using as a weapon for sin, and He wants you to use it as a weapon for righteousness. He wants to sanctify, consecrate your mind, your imagination, and use it to think about the most glorious, beautiful thing. And if you will use your imagination to behold that reality, He will release the pleasures of God in you and satisfy you to the deepest part of your being. Colossians, the context, he actually says, the verse before this, he says that human rules and standards, uh, talking about religion and legalism, have no value or no power to break the indulgences of the flesh. All the do's and the don'ts, all the rules and regulations have no power. There's no motivation in it. There's no strength in it to stop sin. And then he says this. Why? Because this is your strategy. This has power in it. The pleasures of God literally is the power of God to give, it's the, it's, it's the greatest thing that will guard your heart against temptation. When you are flooded and gorged on the pleasures of God, you don't even want the other stuff, right? Hey, you want this poison, right? You want, hey, you want some garbage? What time about I got steak, you know? Yeah, I got steak three meals a day. Why do I want to go out to the garbage can again, you know? Why do I want to do that? I got this. See, it's that, it's that heavenly reality that when you are filled with these pleasures, it breaks the hold that sin even has on you. It breaks the, even the temptation. You're like, yeah, so what? You know what I mean? The temptation, you go, come on over here. And you're like, not working, dude, not working. You know? That's why Jesus could say, that, uh, what did Jesus say? That, that, that Satan has nothing in me. You ever heard that? Nothing in me. He didn't have any hook in Jesus. The problem is many of us have hooks in our mind, hooks in our flesh, and we're being led around by our feelings, by the cravings of what the Bible calls our flesh, just kind of pulled this way, pulled this way, pulled by fear, pulled by anxiety, pulled by greed, pulled by this, pulled by lust. And the scriptures say, you want to break that off? You're already dead to sin alive to God, but you want to walk in that reality? You need the pleasures of God. You need to set your mind and your heart on this reality. 
Not only that, it's later on in verse, I think it's verse 10 or 11 of chapter 3, he says that the way that our new man, right, we're a new creation, the way that our new man is renewed more and more and more, become like Jesus, is by beholding the, the image of our creator. 2 Corinthians 3 says the same thing, that we all, with unveiled faces, behold or reflect. I think the context points more towards behold and then reflect, but that we behold, as in, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And then that beholding transforms us. We become like Jesus by beholding Jesus. You become like the person or the thing you most focus on. And so literally, this thing called the pleasures of God, this is how you become like Jesus. Isn't that great about Christianity? It's supposed to be all about fun. Basically, you get to have lots of fun with Jesus, and then you become more and more like him. It's, that's easy. <laughs> that's fun. The problem is it takes discipline because we have to throw off our old man. We've got to feed our spirit. When I was a new believer and began to see these things, these, these addictions break off my life, you know, I've talked to you about some of the things, doing the defensive strategies, doing the offensive strategies that broke the addiction in my life, pornography and things like that. And I walked away from those things. But let me tell you, as I stopped eating the crackers, <laughs> as I stopped eating the poison, stopped going to the garbage can, I began to encounter the pleasures of God, I have never felt anything better. That might really weird some of you out. That's cool. Because I'm really happy and free. <laughs> As a new believer, I did not know these scriptures. I did not know. But I've also been through many seasons in my life as a believer. Seasons where I allowed discouragement to come into my heart. Right? I believed lies about myself. I allowed discouragement to come in. And guess what happens when discouragement comes in? Lust seems to come right there. Go figure. What happens when anxiety and fear come in my heart? Lust comes right there. Why? Because I'm not experiencing the reality of heaven. What happens when I get angry? The Lord has done a lot to heal me of anger. But sometimes I open the floodgate of frustration. And what happens when I open the floodgate? Lust comes in. See, my greatest defensive strategy is not so much to guard against the temptations to lust. Honestly, they're not even very tempting as long, listen to me, as long as I'm filled with the pleasures of God. See, as long as I'm believing who I am in Christ, as long as I'm set upon what he's saying and what he's doing, rather than my failure or this or that or what that person said, I'm a happy man. I'm walking by faith and not by sight. As long as, I have a posi- if I, as long as I'm postured that the Lord meets my needs and the Lord satisfies me, and I'm not getting all mad and uptight because somebody didn't do this and somebody didn't do that, or my wife didn't meet my needs, Jesus is my everything. When I live in that reality, not only am I satisfied and much more guarded against temptation, not saying I don't have to you know, do all the other defensive strategies we've talked about last week, 
not only am I much more satisfied and not tempted, but I can give. I can serve. And I can give and I can love with a confidence because I'm like David. I'm at rest. I'm rooted and grounded. My emotional infrastructure is strong. Ephesians 5 talks about uh, our, our emotions being strength, I'm sorry, inner man being strengthened with the might of God. Literally an infrastructure on the inside so that when the temptation pushes on you, it's, it's, innate, it's, it's physics, right? right? If you're going to withstand the pressure of something pushing on you, you're going to have to have strength on the inside, amen? Well, how do you get that? The glory of the Lord, the pleasures of God. And so you gorge your heart on the pleasures of God and this, you create this infrastructure on the inside so that no matter how stressful the situation is, no matter how, how tempting it is, from the outside, the pressure is just, is just pushing on you. I'm confident in the Lord, satisfied in the Lord, because I have a structure on the inside to, to sustain me. I have a reservoir to draw from in the midst of drought. I have a strong infrastructure in the midst of an earthquake. Now, what happens when those temptations, those trials come? Wherever there's buckling or wherever I crumble, that exposes the weakness. And that's why we need the trials to test us. And there are, even Proverbs says, um, if a man falls under, I, I can't remember, but basically, if a man falls under pressure or something like that, how, 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 how much is his strength, basically? And I've always meditated on that verse because in Proverbs it's basically saying, if you crumble under stress, or you crumble under some temptation, that exposes your weakness. And so I've always taken that as, okay, God, we need to work on that area. We need to work on that area, right? Right? You, when you squeeze the tube of toothpaste, the toothpaste comes out. That's what's telling you it's in your heart. That's what's telling you it's in your life. And so the trials, the economic crisis and things like that, and, in your, and, and your faith is freaking out. Right? Your fear your fear's going up and your faith is going down. Well, it just tells you where, you, where you're weak. We need to gorge ourselves on the reality of who God is. A.W. Tozer tells us that it's only through long and loving meditation. See, we need more of the Word. You need to do OSL to flood your heart with the Word of God. But even those you've graduated from Operation Solid Lives or you're, you know, you're level one, you're level two, whatever, you have to meditate on those realities. It's only through long and loving meditation. It's only when you do the work. Right? It is work. It's just really fun work. You've got to do the work. You've got to press in. You've got to do the meditating. You've got to dwell on the Word of God. Joshua chapter 1, meditate day and night. Because it's only then that you'll experience those pleasures and they'll fill you. It, it's not just a sermon. You can't have just a casual relationship with the Lord. You know, oh, yeah, you know, we're married. We don't really need to hang out very much, right? Would that fly with your wife? I don't think so, man. Right? Yeah, you know I love you. No. Only, only if you will give yourself to the Lord day and night to seek Him and to meditate on His Word, only then will you see the fruit of this kind of thing. Why? Because we have so many lies in our brain. Because we have so much of this fantasy world in our brain. And we've got to break these strongholds. And we need the Word to wash away these lies. And fill us with the pleasures of God. And so it's going to take long and loving meditation. There's no other way about it than to give Him time. And to give Him time. And we're all different, right? I, I love to just spend time silently before the Lord. Gazing on Him. Imagining His beauty according to the Scriptures. I love to be quiet before the Lord. But some of us want to go into nature. Go into the creation. We live in this 
concrete world. I'm telling you, you, you may not connect it, but the fact that you have, you, you, there's no more wonder in your heart because you're just busy and you see concrete everywhere is, is a part of your temptation. You need to behold green and blue. You need to slow down and detox your body from the fast pace. You were not meant to breathe as fast as we do as Americans or eat as fast as we do. Telling you, take a deep breath. That's what happens when we start praying, when we start meditating on the Word of God. You just take, stop, slow down, start breathing slowly. Go into nature and look at creation and go, dude, if that is beautiful, how much more the one who fought it up and holds it together? And then go to the Word and start meditating on the Word. Some of you, it's singing, it's worship. And just take the scriptures and begin to sing it back to God. In fact, I'm going to say that, that, that really we need all of these. All of us need to do all of these. But everyone's a little bit different. Right? We're all a little bit different. You just got to find your place with God to give Him that time. But number one, it, no matter what it is, what is it? It's meditation. It's gazing. It's beholding our God and thinking about our God and inviting Him and worshiping Him, whether in poem or in, or in song or in whatever you would do. One thing I'm going to challenge you is the Word of God definitely says, open your mouth and sing to Him. And it releases these affections to the Lord. Why don't you close your eyes for a second? And I want to read to you something that I often meditate on. I meditate on a lot of portions of Scripture and use my imagination, but this is one of those. <clears throat> Sean, why don't you come on up? And this is one of those things that I will dwell on and meditate on to satisfy literally my imagination. To satisfy me so that I'm not tempted to look at other things or other people other than my God and my wife. We'll talk about that one next week. And I gaze upon these things and I think about these things so that literally the pleasures of God are released and my physical body is satisfied. I can go through stressful times. I can go through, through dry times because I have the pleasures of God. Picture this with me. Use your imagination. Close your eyes and John in Revelation says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit. That's what he's talking about in Psalm 16. I was in the Spirit. I was experiencing the fullness of joy and the pleasures of God. I was in the Spirit. As I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, a musical, beautiful, harmonious voice, probably the most beautiful voice you will ever hear in all of creation. It was Jesus, and he was saying this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, 
clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of mighty waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Keep imagining that picture. You use your imagination. Many of you use your imagination for wrong things. Begin to use your imagination for right things. That picture may not mean a lot to you at this moment. For some of you, it's like, well, that's kind of weird. But that is Jesus, our bridegroom, resurrected and in love with you. Look at his face brighter than the sun, more brilliant than all of the colors of creation. And that face that's brighter than the sun is radiating with his joy and his favor. The scriptures say those who look to him are radiant, never covered with shame. You want to break shame in your life? Look at his face. He's glad to see you. He's joyful. He's satisfied and fulfilled. His favor, his delight is for you. Look into his eyes of blazing fire. Not anger, passionate love. Jealous love. He created you for himself. He wants you. See, you want to be wanted. That's why you give yourself to things. The creator of the universe, he already wants you. He is burning with passion for you. He wants all of you. Sharp, double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. It's the word of God bringing life, cutting you with a wound of love. Hair and head white like wool, a garment of white. He's the most pure, the most righteous. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's everything. Begin to picture the Lord. Begin to look into the eyes of Jesus. Look into his loving eyes. Look into the face of our King who died for us on a Roman cross and rose again. Father, I ask right now that you release a revelation of your heart right now. Lord, I ask you that you would help people to behold your beauty. Maybe it's with words. Maybe with pictures. But Lord, I just ask right now, break off the shame. Break off the shame that would cause us to avert our eyes from your beauty. Or run away from your embrace. You are so much better. So much more loving than we know. And if we would just let you love us, we would be satisfied. Surrender to the Lord right now. Open your heart to him. Just let him embrace you. Let him love you. Let him enjoy you. Let him fill you with his delight and his pleasure. Thank you, Lord.